We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey, folks, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the uh, July 19th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. Um, my guest today, Michael Salfino, whose work you can find lots of places. Um, he's a friend of Rotowire, certainly. You can find him at Yahoo Fantasy, Wall Street Journal, uh, 538.com, uh, basically everywhere. Hey, man, so. Darrell Rivas announced his retirement. He did. Yeah, I didn't know that. What is this? Is this breaking? This Are was we breaking. breaking news? Actually, we're we're recording this on Wednesday the eighteenth. Actually, folks, but yes, this is breaking news as of when we're recording it. So, uh, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was I thought it was strategy for another holdout or contract negotiation or something. But I don't think there's anyone to hold out from right now. I thought he retired three years ago. <laughs> it, he, that guy did a lot using his contract leverage more than more than almost any NFL player I can think of over the last 10 years. And, yeah, and in fairness to Revis, you know, his decline was rapid, but he was probably the best cornerback all around that I've ever seen, you know, uh, closely. Dion obviously would be in that conversation. Revis, I think, was a, a little bit of a better tackler. And 
Um, you don't want to put anybody ahead of Dion, but he was certainly in that Dion class because he was a guy who truly shadowed number one receivers. You don't, you know, there's guys that get that shut shut down um, uh, label now who aren't even shadowing. So it's kind of like, you know, um, you got to prove it week in and week out against number one receivers. And Revis passed that test in flying colors in 2000, from like 2000 and in nine to 2011 for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, first question I want to ask you, um, before we get into some, uh, nitty gritty on, uh, certain fantasy players, um, the, the Le'Veon Bell news. So they couldn't reach a long-term contract agreement. Uh, he's going to play under the franchise tag, right? So, I mean, and he says he's going to report for week one. I mean, basically with Le'Veon Bell, all systems go basic. Nothing changes based on what you thought three weeks ago, right? Yeah, I, I would say that that's the case. I mean, some people are saying that he should sit out games, but the thing is, like, he's making he's scheduled to make fourteen point five million. The next highest paid back, if I recall correctly, is Freeman at like eight point two five. So how do you how do you hold out? First of all, what are you holding out for? The Steelers, by NFL rule, can't even sign him to a long term deal now. Right. Um, and and when you're paid, you know, how much is that more like what, like uh, 70, Something you're paid 75 percent more than the next highest paid running back and you're going to hold out like it seems ridiculous. So is there for you, is there any worry last year? I mean, the yards per carry were down. I mean, yeah. everything else, he caught 85 passes. I mean, you know, the yards and scrimmage were huge. Uh, he, he's just he's a terrific back. And fantasy wise, especially if you're in PPR, he's just awesome. But but did that did his running effectiveness uh, from last year did, did that sound off any alarm bells at all to you? And his receiving effectiveness was actually subpar. Um, I mean, it, I'm not talking so much the the volume of catches, but I'm talking like the, the yards per catch was was down and forget it, and the yards per target was even worse. I think he had like 106 receiving targets, which is just insane. Um, my view, uh, I, I'm actually, I actually wrote an article for the journal. I don't think it's posted yet, but I'll tweet the link when, once it is, which will probably be by the time this podcast gets posted. But the, I was interested to see what the decline is. Um, now, he's the second most used running back since 2000. The only other back that had more touches per game in their first 62 games, um, so everything is apples to apples, was Tomlinson. Uh, so he's at a 400-touch pace uh, assuming a 16 game schedule. So he's got like 1,540, I think off the top of my head touches. Right. So he'll be at about 1900 after this year, but, uh, through, um, research done for us at the journal by stats, LLC, uh, we found out that the drop off the cliff for running back is at about 2,400 touches. So he should be able to be, um, uh, have another peak season, as far as the base rates concerned, like individual mileage obviously varies and he's been injured a lot, but, um, I wouldn't, I don't think it's wise to expect that he has seen his best days. I think it's wise to expect uh, that like most backs, he will maintain his peak through the 2019 season and then it'll be a steep decline. Okay. So for this season, uh, give me rank your top four running backs for me in order. I like David Johnson the best, to be honest with you. Like we just had that the uh, the the Stopa League um, 
it's got a, a, a different name now, so I want to make sure that uh, I get it right. Is it but Shining it was, Armor or something? Yeah, is that it? The, yeah. The, the Stopa Shining Armor League. So, um, uh, you know, he was my uh, my number one player. You know, I do this with Davis Maddock. We both agreed with, with Johnson. And I knew that nobody would make me pay for him to be the number one player. So I was able to get him for like 47 where Gurley went for like 55. Um, but Bell, Bell I think has, uh, the higher floor than Gurley. I don't think he has a higher floor than Johnson, but he has a higher floor than, than, than Gurley for sure. Because Gurley, we have to remember that Gurley did have, just a terrible year two years ago. Yep. I know there's a lot of reasons that people want to say why he did it. And Jeff Fisher sucks. And, you know, but everybody knew Jeff, you know, he was good for Jeff Fisher in his rookie year. The thing is, like, it's hard to just completely discount the fact that he was god awful <laughs> uh, in 2016. Uh, there's, it's, it's got to be, it's a little bit of noise if you draft Gurley. Yep. It shows you what the floor can be. That's fair. Um, yeah, it happened. We can't, I mean, you can come up with reasons for why it happened, but it happened. And you exactly can't just throw it away. Right. And, and, you know, people said the line was bad and it got better. Um, Goff got better last year. You know, the, the McVay can't plays, all that stuff. But yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's three years of data here and one of them was, was pretty bad. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I, I think it was the worst year for, uh, any running back in yards per carry with over 200 carries, or it was at least like top three or worst three, bottom three. In NFL history. All right. Um, okay, so the rest is – so Johnson first for you, then who? Then Bell? Um, I think, you know, Bell and Gurley are, are right there. Gurley was so explosive and dynamic last year, and his, and his efficiency as a receiver was, like, off the charts. It's hard to bet on that kind of efficiency repeating. I think I would rather bet on the guy who just gets a boatload of targets like Bell and hoping the efficiency is a little bit better because even if it's not – Especially PPR, the floor is so much higher. I, I don't. I think it's interesting in in uh, half point PPR or standard who you would have as number one. I could see having Gurley over Bell there, just because um, Gurley was so prolific with touchdowns, and Bell has never really been a great touchdown scorer. Right, that's true. All right, folks. Um, Mike mentioned he's going to uh, tweet out the Wall Street Journal article. He's on Twitter at Michael Salfino. I'm at jhalpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get the player updates at Rotowire NFL, and you can always find us on Facebook. All right. First topic. I, I figured we can start with your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, yes. Because we don't talk about them a lot. Fantasy-wise, I do, I do a fantasy podcast all the time. And who, I mean, really, who wants to talk about anybody on the Jets generally? But they're there, and we have to talk about them. Exactly. And I think the Jets are a little bit undervalued. Like the, the new way of thinking in fantasy football this year, and, and you could argue, are we just fighting the last war? Are we just repeating the narrative that existed last year and trying to project it into this year? But the narrative is, hey, you know, uh, players can improve dramatically with modern coaching and a good offensive system. You know, that was kind of like the lesson of 2017. And so there are lots of teams that are talked about as as being able to be candidates for making a quantum leap offensively. Uh, and that would be like the Bears, the Titans are cited. You know, um, those are the two primary uh, primary ones. But the uh, the team that's kind of under the radar with that is is the Jets because they are running the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan offense 
their their offensive coordinator Bates was is kind of like a, a, a second son to Mike Shanahan. They are extremely close, and the Broncos system that Shanahan offense has achieved great fantasy results throughout history and nobody is making you pay anything for that and I think the jet skill position players are actually pretty good all right let's start a quarterback um when does Sam, when do we think and this could depend on how the Jets do when do we think Sam Darnold starts week one he'll be the starter uh, I you know here's the thing we're at we're at a point somehow this off season where me saying that it becomes like sort of a, a a bold prediction, but the fact of the matter is that this century, ten of the thirteen quarterbacks drafted top five have started th- their team's first game. Right. So you know that's seventy seven percent or whatever it is. So so basically, there's a seventy seven percent chance in a neutral environment that that Darnold would be the starter. Plus, he's he's taken it things really well. He's a gym rat. The team loves him. Um, and I think the Jets are smart enough with Bates to know that they have to design a Sam Darnold offense. Now, I think McCown is actually a really good athlete, so I don't think it would be that. I think you could kind of do the Sam Darnold offense and have, Kate, and have Josh McCown start that. But the... the but obviously, you want to optimize those things, that run-pass option, the bootleg stuff, the movement in the pocket. You want to optimize those things with Darnold. And actually, last year with Bates as just a quarterback coach, the Jets, I think, were the number one team in the, in the frequency, the percentage of run-pass option plays. They just had really poor success with it because you know they didn't have the right quarterback for that, for that system. Uh, you know, you're funny. I've mentioned this before here. Uh, the guys around the Panthers – say that Josh McCown is the, the you know, guys do different things in the offseason. They played pickup basketball charity, things like that. And the story I've heard is that Josh McCown was the best basketball player of anyone who's ever gone through there. And there, you know what's really <laughs> funny about that? I, and, and there are highlights with that. And it, they're from a few years ago, but he's fantastic. But Sam Darnold is also a fantastic basketball player. So I don't know how good the Jets are going to be at quarterback, but if you have a pickup basketball game, the Jets quarterbacks will kick your ass. There you go. All right, and it's funny you mentioned those quarterbacks it, that most no, most top picks start, but I feel like every quarterback who was picked in yes. the top 10 or 11 were trying to find reasons why they're going to sit behind other people. Yeah, now I don't know, like as you go further down the, 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 the draft, the, the odds, uh, the, the average time to start um, increases. Okay. Yep. But I would, I firmly expect Josh Allen to open the year as the starter. Uh, I just don't see any other real, real option there. And, and Josh Allen is a guy that you really need to design a Josh Allen offense and that there's no way you're going to do that with AJ McCarron's. They're like completely different players. I mean, Allen is sort of in the Cam Newton mold and, and they have the Cam Newton, uh, you know, uh, offensive coordinator there so in that that system so they're going to want to deploy him I think in that kind of way I think you're going to see like quarterback power as a part of the uh Bill's offense so um he's the one that I think is most likely to start I don't know what the Browns are doing like there's no way you take a 23 year old quarterback 1-1 right. and, and and then sign a guy for 16 million dollars and announce that that guy's going to be the starter indefinitely it's just insane like the entire point if you were going to do that you got to draft Darnold I mean I did an article for 538 
on on uh, the NFL draft. Age is a huge, huge factor, and it's the biggest factor at projecting the quarterback position. When you're a top pick, the younger, the better. Uh, your odds of, of success in the NFL increase dramatically uh, with, with uh, how young you are when you come into the league as a top pick. So Darnold, on paper, irrespective of what the scouts say and what, what we may think individually about their talent, and obviously there are other things that come into play, but just the base rate is that the expectation would be for Darnold to have a far better career than Mayfield just because Darnold's like two years younger. All right, and that argues uh, – I don't have the dates on the top of my head. That argues for Josh Rosen too, right? Yeah, Rosen is, is – Darnold was the youngest, but Rosen is also young, and so is Allen. Every, the only quarterback who was, who was um, uh, old, relatively speaking, for a first-round pick is Mayfield. Okay. Um, let's get to the Jets' backfield. So you talked about fantasy success. The running backs in that offense have had fantasy success. Um, you were oh, little- a huge fantasy success. Yeah. Like, I mean, pretty much that, oh, my God, the Mike Shanahan offense, I will take any running back. Like, that level of success. All right, but, with, but on the Jets now, which one? Is it Crowell? Is that the obvious one? Every year I want to find reasons to like Bilal Powell, and it just never works for me somehow. Well, here's the thing. Like, Powell is one of those guys where um, if you hold him long enough, you're going yeah. to get the value. You know, but uh, there's always a point where you're just going to be like, I got to cut this guy. But at the end of the day, he uh, returns a profit on his ADP every year. And I think that'll be the case again this year. But Crowell is is to me, you know, uh, I mean, he's going like in the 10th round, 11th round. Like he's he's a guy that people should be targeting at that price. I think there's just tremendous uh, upside for like, you know, an 1100 yard uh, nine touchdown season. Um, I don't know what he's going to do with the catches, but he caught a little bit last year. He's not like a total stiff where you don't think that he could catch at all. So um, he he could he could easily be like you know RB ten this year, and no one is making you pay anything to find out if that if that you know could be true. And remember, you know if Darnold is the quarterback, there's going to be a lot of motion in that Jets offense, and that's going to make things a lot easier. The sledding will be a lot easier for the running back in that offense because there's always going to be the threat of of Darnold running and uh, you know Darnold is some at his pro day I think he was 475 which would be really good for a quarterback at the combine he was 485 like who knows what these times but when you look at him he's athletic enough to definitely be a, a significant running threat on those types of plays okay um I mean, that's it for the running back. I mean, there's there's other guys in there. There's interesting names. I don't know. Thomas Rawls is an interesting name, but we can't gun on that guy for anything. Yeah, I'd be shocked if Rawls made the team. McGuire is a guy that's buzzy, and he's got measurables, but um, I, he wasn't really impressive. He flashed a little bit last year, but when you look at the bottom line, uh, he was nowhere near in Powell's class in terms of productivity in the same offense. All right, let's go to the receivers. Um, Robbie, Is Robbie Anderson going to get suspended, do we think? The, the word is that he's not going to be, and it's one of those things. Like, he went totally, like, he went Samuel Jackson in The Hateful Eight <laughs> on a cop where it was just like, dude, like, you can't say this stuff. You no, can you actually can't. be shot, you know? But the thing is, how it's hard to actually come up with what the violation would be, you know, with that, with what Anderson did. So, um, the... The word 
in the Jets um, hierarchy and among the writers is that uh, Anderson is not going to be suspended. Um, now, I think Anderson is a really good player. I think he's a, a very explosive player. I think he can be really productive in this offense, although he'll have a lot of volatility because I think most of his touchdowns are going to come from distance. Um, and But the thing is, I like Quincy Inunua so much, and he's so much cheaper, even though Anderson is too cheap. I... You know, I don't want you don't want to have two Jets receivers. Like, let's not get crazy. So, since Anunua is basically completely free, and he actually could be, if you look at his measurables and the fact that he was even used as a tight end in the prior offense, and in, in, in sort of a, a de facto tight end role, uh, I think I think Anunua has the upside to be a Shannon Sharp in this offense. Anunua is an immensely talented player who has a clean bill of health. That neck injury is not supposed to be remotely career-ending or, or career-threatening. And so he, so Anunua runs out of the probably going to run out of the slot, right? Yes, as a movement guy, like think of Shannon Sharp in the Broncos' offense. He's 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 the exact same player except faster. Okay. In terms of his stature. So so and how- he's, and, and here's the thing: he's a great blocker. All right, so well, that's that's a good tidbit there. Um, so I mean, for both of them, you know, based on ADP, you're probably happy from what you're saying. You know, either one of them, you look and you say, all right, that's a value. Definitely but is all right. Let's let's say we get to week one, and you're playing two wide receivers and a flex. Are you thinking? I mean, could you see start Robbie Anderson as a starter? Quincy Newman not or both maybe. Yeah, I would I would say Anderson would be uh, in a twelve team league with three wide receivers and a flex. Absolutely, hundred percent should be started. If you're not starting Anderson, your team is super strong. Um, Anunua, you might want to wait and see a week. Okay. What about Curse, who who wasn't bad last year? Was better than people think. He's sort of a not just a guy. He he. The ceiling's not high. But he could be sort of a solid, you know, bench guy for you. Come in and catch, you know, five for sixty if if you've got a, a bad bye week. The thing is, you know, maybe as a, like a free agent guy during the season, but I wouldn't draft him since Anderson and Anunua are so much cheaper and so much better. I mean, Curse is okay, and I could see him carving out a role in the offense, um, especially given the fact that there's no really reliable tight end and the running backs aren't expected to be that involved in the passing game. So there's going to be, especially if you expect the Jets to be a team that trails most of the time, you're, there's going to be a, a, a lot of targets. But um, Curse to me is like a ham and egg. The other, Anderson, is, is uh, super elite in terms of his downfield uh, playmaking ability. And Inunua is, you know, a 4-4-5 guy at 225 pounds and six foot, you know, he, and he's only six feet. So he's got like a big body mass and, um, uh, you know, just, a, I think, a, an awesome matchup move player. No, but Anun was healthy. We're sure he's not clear, totally cleared yet, right? Neck injury, and he's not. No, he's he's totally clear. He was he was. I saw him uh, making one-handed catches in 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 uh, in minicamp. All right, there you go. Um, just for some context, everybody, ADPs. I'm looking at him at MFL. Robbie Anderson, tenth round. Anun was sixteenth. So these jet receivers are going to be cheap. Um, and same same for the running backs, like we talked about. Uh, I just want to clean up any any possibility. Terrell Pryor. I mean, could, are you? I mean, you're not throwing a dart in a draft, but 
Are you the least bit intrigued? I, I haven't been, but I, I think I was in my first MFL, and and then I haven't taken him since. I don't think he even went in the in the Stopa League. Um, I think I could have gotten him for a dollar late, and I didn't. I passed. I took like you know Keenan Cole or somebody. Okay, uh, and you said tight end. You're not um, Jordan Leggett. Not you know. No thanks, and we're just gonna leave yeah. that alone. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, like it was like a fifth round pick last year who blew out his ACL. But the Jets have the the rookie from uh, Miami, Herndon. Yep. Uh, and he's more of a guy. You know, when I saw them at minicamp, he was lining up as a de facto wide receiver. He never really had his hand in the ground. So that would be the player. Um, you know, uh, maybe that you would be following and trying to target on waivers if you decide to punt tight ends who might be be a guy who comes online you know week four or five got it all right well let's move to the giants um i don't even want to talk about that they didn't draft quarterback i'm just going to pass over that um that's awesome by the way thank you sure we appreciate that oh my god it was so bad um the i saw and i've mentioned this on previous episodes um People having, you included, having a, a conversation online about basically you've got these receivers. You've got Saquon Barkley, who is not a receiver, but he's a back who's going to catch a bunch of passes. And is being, and is being valued for his, for, his impact, for his impact as a receiver. Yep. You've got Odell Beckham ranked as a top, uh, let's say, three wide receiver. You've got Evan Engram as a top six tight end. And you have Sterling Shepard sort top, of in top, flex. Top four. Actually, isn't Ingram fourth? Hang, isn't he tight end four? Hang on one second. I'm going to look at the tight end ADPs I have right now, and I see him fourth. You're right. Yeah. Um, and Sterling Shepard is sort of you know flexy, let's say. Yeah. Um, for some yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and if basically the the conversation was, and I think this might have been your point, if that's the case, and these guys all return that kind of value, then Eli Manning has to be a really good value at QB 29, which is where I'm seeing him right now. Exactly. Now, Mike Clay, who's from ESPN and, and uh, uh, who I respect, had Eli at QB 28, but it was a soft QB 28 because he was giving him like 4,000 passing yards and like 28 touchdowns. And it's like, look, man, like I know you can make that add up, but that's that's – you're not – to me – Whoever your QB 28 is, you're telling people who play fantasy, do not even think about this guy yep. in a one-quarterback league. He's like, behind Josh Rosen right now uh, on ADP-wise. And, and, um, and, but there's no way with that, pro- with that kind of a projection, it's, it might add up to RB 28, like however you, you do it with an interception tack tax like whatever i think it's more at espn i think it might be two points versus like one point at yahoo um so i know you get the numbers to to add up but like four thousand yards and 28 touchdowns is a reasonable eli projection and that puts him in the qb1 range really and 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 it makes sense mathematically if you're going to expect that level of production from from the receivers that you mentioned and and Barkley as a receiver that he would have to be uh, you know at least like QB twelve to sixteen like at least in the bucket of guys that if he went in a one quarterback league in the last round like as a pocket pick you would be like oh yeah sure that's a good pick 
Okay. Are, are you finding yourself getting him in, you know, I mean, I don't know how many drafts you've had, but super flexes and things like that? I had him, I have him in one league and uh, I'm usually pretty aggressive in the two quarterback leagues at quarterback. Okay. You know, the, the Scott Fishbowl has that insane quarterback. It's like a super, super flex league because they, you know, a lot of times we can say, Hey, all quarterbacks have volume. So why worry about it? Just get a starter and you never know. But when there's four points per interception and a two point on top of that, if it's a pick six, it's like, Oh my God, like those guys are dangerous. You know, you get somebody who throws 15 picks. So you really want the quality there. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, guys that are going to, almost certainly have a TD to interception rate of three or four to one have more value in a format like that. And even in the, in the, um, in the, in the Stopa league, I, I was aggressive with, I wanted two tight end ones and there were like nine guys that I had in that bucket and I ended up with Roethlisberger and cousins. All right. Yeah. In the fishbowl, actually only I kept, I got Brady and Ryan. And I kept trying to get a third quarterback, and I just every time I had one re- queued up, someone would snipe me, and I go, "Oh, I'll take this guy," and I never got one. Yeah, and you know what happened in my league? See, that's why the individual mileage like varies so greatly. I had the third pick. Rogers was the first player on my board, so I took Rogers with the third pick. But then quarterbacks weren't drafted, so the expected value of that pick was uh, diminished by just the the draft dynamics of that specific league, like the league kind of screwed me because the value of that pick, in other words, the people who just waited on, on quarterbacks didn't have to pay a price. Got it. But how, how are you going to know that when you're, you know, you're <laughs> right. <paying? laughs> um, all right. One more on the giants. How good do you think Saquon's going to be this year? Well, unless every scout who's seen him is wrong, like really wrong, he's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, so I would expect him uh, I know the Giants have some offensive line problems, but he, he he seems to profile as that back who could make the line more than the line making him. So, um, I, you know, I have I think that he should be in that first round group of running backs that you draft proactively, thinking that okay, I've got a stud. Yep, I, I agree with you, and I still I, I keep saying. I, I've taken a couple of episodes off from talking about this, but I still don't understand picking Alvin Kamara that high where people are taking him. I don't, I, I think yeah. the workload seems to be, it, it's, it, it's just the, the well, floor the points, on workload points, is too low. Yeah. The points per touch last year was off the charts. Like that's going to regress. So he's going to need more touches to approach that level of productivity, like figure 25% more touches. 30% more touches. And then there's two questions that, that come into play. Can he physically handle that kind of workload? And um, are those touches going to be available to him if one, once Ingram comes back? Right. All right. Um, folks, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to be playing best ball on my favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. Um, you draft it season long but no management you just set your lineup and forget it once you're done drafting that's it no trades no waiver wire no setting the lineups none of it your best players get automatically selected every week and you get the best score every week guaranteed you never worry about injuries or last minute benchings at all you can draft a team anytime you want leagues start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now if you want and the best part you play for cold hard cash leagues start for just $3 so there's a league for everyone and this year they're running a $1 million best ball tournament Sounds like it's got me written all over it. Just enter the best ball championship, draft the best team, and you could win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. There's no salary caps, and you play in a real-life snake draft 
just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. So come on, join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code WIRE. That's WIRE. You play a real money game for free just by using my promo code WIRE on your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play for free with me. Again, use the promo code WIRE. Good luck on draft, everybody. All right. Uh, John, can I just say one thing? Because I always forget to do this. But yes. we, Scott Pianowski and I yes. uh, uh, have a uh, breakfast table podcast that um, we do that's uh, listener supported. So um, it's, it's really good. Like if you're, if you're interested in fantasy football, Scott and I have uh, a long rapport that actually started on Rotowire. So we've been, we've been doing this in print and in, in podcast form now since like 2002. So, um, you know, if you're interested in fantasy, we have a lot of, uh, uh, insight. I think that could help you enjoy the fantasy season and also, um, hopefully be more successful in your fantasy season. So that, uh, that's at breakfast underscore pod and it's available. Uh, it's linked on my Twitter feed whenever we release a podcast and it's, uh, you could support it at Patreon. Yep. Uh, when are you guys uh, going to start releasing for this season? Oh, uh, we already have. Yeah. So you know, basically, like if you're a three dollar member, you get three dollars a month. You get all of, access to all of our podcasts, and for a little bit more money per month, if you just like us, uh, you also get our waiver wire podcast during the season exclusively. Excellent. All right, yeah, check that. I've listened to your guys stuff before. It's really, really good. But I love, I love when you guys, uh, you guys have some good debates. They're, they're yes, good to definitely. watch, read, listen to, whatever it might be. Okay. Um, I know that, that one of your um, strategies in fantasy football is to, is to avoid guys on bad, bad offenses. People tend to look at players and they go, and I know, I know I'm guilty of this. I will look at a guy and I say, he's the only guy there. And, and someone has to gain yardage and score touchdowns or whatever it might be. And that can happen, but generally you like to, to fit. If a guy's in a bad offense, you're kind of like, no thanks, right? Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of times that's driven by the quarterback. So the shorthand for it was like zero bad quarterback. <laughs> now the trick is identifying which quarterbacks are going to be the bad quarterbacks prior to the season started. Like a lot of people say, well, did zero bad quarterback work? Yes, it always works. If the quarterback's bad, the team is not going to be productive and you're not going to want to have fantasy players on that team, you know, especially relative to their ADP. Um, but uh, you know, and it, but if there it, it, any any breathing running back who's starting, we want we don't care about what team that guy's on. But I'm talking about paying draft capital for a guy like that. So it always works. But the trick is, how good are we in identifying who those bad offenses slash bad quarterbacks are? And it's especially tough this year. That's why I'm not even going to write about it this year because most of the teams with bad quarterbacks have switched their quarterbacks, and we don't even know if these guys are going to be good. All right, so it's funny. There's, there's an article on ESPN.com that came out, I think it's this uh, last week. Bill Barnwell did it. <laughs> and actually, he had, as far as arsenals, and he had the Jets at number 32. Yeah, and he didn't even mention Anunwa. Like, you know, and I, and I write for 538, so, you know, I'm not going to come here to, to, to trash anybody. Um, but, 
you know, my feeling is let, that that was just unfair to the Jets because Anun was arguably their best offensive player. So, like, why would you, you know, it's hard to assess their skilled players if you don't mention him. Okay, so give, give me a wide receiver or two that fits this description for you this year that's being drafted higher than you should and you look and you go with, with, with that situation. I know you said the teams have changed quarterbacks, and, and you know, the, so it's not as easy as it might be in other years. But are there a couple wide receivers you're looking at and you're going, nah, I don't think so? Well, you know, I, I know a lot of people are really bullish on the on the Bears' offense, but the the wide receiver who I'm fading the most relative to ADP is Allen Robinson. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, while I'm, I I hope that Mitchell Trubisky, uh, you know, takes this uh, you know offensive system and is able to you know replicate what what Goff did and and um, you know w- with that improved system last year I, I i'm not comfortable betting on it like uh, trubisky was wasn't viewed as a legit like number two overall quarterback prospect um and last year i mean he was okay but he didn't do anything where you could definitively say oh i think this guy is going to be good i mean he's still like pure projection and draft pedigree at this point. So I don't see drafting Allen Robinson where he's going, given the fact that Robinson is coming off a bad season. The offense may struggle, right? Um, I mean, he's coming off an, uh, an injury plague season. Like he didn't even play. He has a torn ACL. And in two of the three years where he was healthy, one year he was bad and the other year he was historically bad. So, uh, and then the other year he was great. We, we will stipulate that. Yep. But and plus you have all the noise like I, I don't generally like I like a little bit of a discount if the if the receiver is moving to a new team because there's a huge adjustment involved there as well. A lot of free agent receivers generally disappoint like that should be the expectation. OK. Um, so, by the way, um, the, the Allen Robinson going early fourth. Yeah, I'm looking at so, and he's going before like Smith Schuster, right? Now, to me, like Smith Schuster yep. is the is the is the polar opposite. Like, in other words, if you want to bet good offense, I want players in good offenses. Then you would be betting on Smith Schuster. And I know that some people say, "Hey, uh, there's not enough targets. He wasn't targeted that much last year, even though he was hyper efficient." But there's a lot of extra targets now. Bryant's out of the picture. I mean, you know. He, nothing has to change with Bell and and uh, Brown. and Brown for for um, Smith Schuster to get 120 targets. Right. Okay. You could just get the Brian stuff. So continuing on your on that train of thought, not about the bad offenses, but the wide receivers on new teams. Um, I'm scanning the list. Guys, two guys that pop out at me are. Brandon Cooks and Jarvis Landry. Do you do you think that? Do you look at those guys and say wide receiver, new team? Not so sure. Um, Landry in a PPR league, I think is being appropriately drafted. Cooks, I don't have any of. I know they just committed to him long term, but I don't like the fact that the guy's been on three teams in a year, basically. Right. I mean, how many great players can have ever fit that model? Like, you know, why why did why did two really smart offensive centric teams like the Saints and the Patriots basically just get rid of this guy? So, um, and plus, 
if he's going to be in the Sammy Watkins role as the take the top off the defense guy, I mean, the problem is Goff, it was documented last year by Greg Cosell. Like, Watkins was open all the time and yep. he just didn't ever got the ball. Like, what? So, what's going to be different this year? Like, that worked last year, according to Goff and the Rams. Like, they're just like, hey, let's just do what we did last year. And that just was basically running that stretch player as a decoy, not throwing to him. And Watkins is probably, he, he might not be as fast, but he's, probably, he's a better receiver than, than Cooks is. I would agree with that. And that's a very controversial opinion. I, I think that that's a minority view. Like, I like Watkins. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in that offense now with Mahomes, who I know, like, fantasy Twitter has Mahomes in the Hall of Fame. I think we're carving his bust, like, as we speak, right? Like, have we? are we all chipping in? Like, is somebody – everybody gets the chisel one time in the Mahomes <laughs> Hall of Fame bust on fantasy Twitter? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I agree with you that that's – I mean, and part of that is, is the weapons he has, which is great. I mean, I, I, I hear you. I tend not to get too excited about guys that I really haven't seen. Um, oh, his weapons are insane. They are insane. And, and the other thing, um, one of my... And Andy Reid is a good offensive coach. Yep. they got to respect that system. And, and the one thing, um, one of my Rotowire colleagues, Jim Coventry, was on with me a few weeks ago and, and said, and the other thing you got to remember is that the Chiefs' defense is going to be awful. Yes. That so, is under, especially their pass defense. The stars have certainly aligned for Mahomes. But, but as I keep saying... I'm still mad because his dad ruined way too many of my fantasy baseball teams. So, um, all right. So on the same line, let's go to tight ends. So, so this means what you said about Allen Robinson. I know part of it was the new team, but you know, you talked about the offense and some uncertainty. So you're probably not on the Trey Burton train. Uh, no, I actually like Burton. Uh, you know, I'm, again, like the bad quarterback thing is not something I'm really focusing on this year just because so many of the bad quarterbacks have been broomed that we don't know who the bad quarterbacks are. Like, are Browns bad quarterback now? Like, I mean, Taylor's okay, and Mayfield could be good. You know, like, um, I mean, I know everybody wants to make fun of Josh Allen, but there were a lot of scouts who really liked Josh Allen. And the guy certainly, if there was a spark for quarterbacks, that guy would crush it. You know what I mean? Like he, he, there's no, he is like walks out of central casting as like, okay, yeah, this guy's my quarterback. So what if he's good? You know, like who knows? So the tight end that I'm fading is Jimmy Graham. I just don't get it. To me, the circus has left town. Uh, it's total amateur hour to bet TD catch TDs over catches and yards. Like that's like fantasy 101. It's like bet the catches in the yards, hoping unless there's like some huge reason why you don't expect touchdowns to flow from that, that the touchdowns will flow from the catches in the yards at a league average rate. Like you can't, you can't put the cart before the horse with the touchdowns in my opinion. Um, and, and, and plus the other thing that's so weird about this is how many times are we going to keep going back to Aaron Rodgers, green Bay tight end. I will pay for this. This is going to turn a profit. Jared Cook it never does. We but it busts every year, and we keep going back to the well because every year the tight end changes. Yeah, that's true. It never and the Jared Cook thing has been. People wanted it to happen so many times, and it just right. didn't. All right. Um, what about the opposite? Guys who are just going to ride the coattails of their great quarterback. I would imagine. Let's start in Green Bay. There's got to be another wide receiver that that oh, puts Adam. up yards. To me, Adams is being underdrafted, even though he seems to be going at a – here's the thing. Adams has a path to being the wide receiver one this year Yeah, because you start your whole 
Green Bay sort of like view with 38 Aaron Rodgers touchdown passes. So now you got to work backwards from that. It's really hard to get less than double digits for Adams. And it's really easy to be like, oh, 17. Like if Adams has 17 touchdowns, who's going to be like, oh, man, I never saw that coming. That's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy that Adams had 17 touchdowns. That guy was catching touchdowns from, you know, the the UCL. uh, Hunley. Hunley, Yeah. yeah. The UCLA guy, right? Right. Wasn't he UCLA? Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. But okay, but but back to that team. There's got to be someone else. Someone yeah. because we, if you add up to that 38 touchdowns, unless you think Jimmy Graham's just going to be you know some eight to ten red zone guy, and even then, someone else has got to be has got to produce there. Right. Um, you know, Cobb is probably being underdrafted. I know Geronimo Allison has fans, especially Mark Stopa is probably like his biggest fan. I think he owns Allison like literally like every league he's in. Um, but, you know, I mean, to me, Allison, Allison could be the third wide receiver or he could just be deactivated. Like, I have no idea what, what to make out of Allison. So I guess Cobb would be the guy who um, you're really not paying anything for. Like, Graham, you're paying. Graham is like tight end yes. five. So Cobb is the guy that's basically free. Okay. Um, what about tight end? Who, who do you like that's, that's kind of may, maybe just in a great situation? Uh, here's the thing. Now, you know, this is going to uh, probably shock you because this is a guy that's just like – treated like dog crap by like everybody in fantasy because so many people have been burned by him. Uh-oh. But Tyler Eifert. Well, that's not what I thought like, you were going to say. He's like completely free. I got him for $1 in the Stopa Shining Armor League, right? When I just tossed him because it was the end game and I already had two tight ends. But I was just like, oh, this will get like four or five bucks out of the room, which at that point, as you know, is huge, right? So I tossed him for a dollar like crickets. Like I get him for a dollar. It's a two tight end league, 14 teams. Like Eifert, I understand the guy is always hurt. But that is like an injury discount. Like we're not paying – Deshaun Watson's not being injury discounted. Uh, You know, Allen Robinson that we just talked about, there's no injury discount for him. Even Jimmy Graham had a devastating injury that people didn't think he would ever come back from, and he really hasn't come back from it, right. if you look closely enough, right? Um, and he's not being injury discounted, but Eifert, we just treat him like he's like crap on our shoes that we want to scrape off. But here's the thing. He's got 20 touchdowns and 127 career catches. That's one every 6.35 catches. Gronkowski, one every 6.24. That yep. is like – you know, and here – And the other thing is, we all know Andy Dalton lives for one thing in life, throwing touchdown passes to tight ends. (laughs) That's true. He loves Eifert. Loves him. Yeah, and even when – and so here's – you could punt tight ends and get Croft and Eifert probably for for nothing, and you probably have to draft Croft first, but I would hate to leave Eifert – I would hate to do it in that order because Eifert is the starter. You know, um, but he's not. He's not. He's another one. His injury is still a little bit up in the air, right? With Eifert, uh, I think he's expected to to be completely a full go for training camp. That's okay. my information. I, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. He's certainly expected to play this year, right? 
Okay. Because they were thinking of assigning him to a long-term deal. See, I thought, I thought you were going to say Eric Ebron when you said that. No, no. To me, like, I am totally a Doyle man. Okay. uh, Because my feeling is a lot of people are downgrading Doyle, who was really efficient last year. And remember, he's going to probably have Andrew Luck back now. And Andrew Luck loves to throw to tight ends, right? So um, a lot of people are discounting Doyle for Ebron. But to me, Doyle and Ebron don't really play the same position. Ebron has never blocked anybody in his life. Right. Okay. He is a slot receiver, period. He is competing for slot targets with the wide receivers. Doyle is the tight end. Ebron okay. and Doyle aren't going to, you know, they're they're not going to take Doyle off the field to put Ebron at tight end. That's they might true. take Doyle off the field and have Ebron on the field as a slot receiver, but Ebron is never going to be playing. I know he qualifies that tight end, but he's not. Just forget about it. So, and the problem always with Ebron is, Ebron is a slot receiver, but is he that good a slot receiver that you want to bench a wide receiver for him? No, he's a good. Re- he's a decent receiver for a tight end, but not for a yes. receiver, and he doesn't block. And, like is, and he's not a tight end. So, like, he's such a weird player. But they did pay him, <laughs> which did. is something. They did. Anybody? Any speaking of the Colts, um, if, if luck comes back and the volume's high, are, are there any wide receivers there you want well, to throw darts at? Um, well, I'm throwing a dart at Ryan Grant just because he got the big contract that was taken off the table. Then he, then the supposedly for a bullshit reason. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, um, uh, for you know, with the ankle injury because the Ravens decided they'd rather have Crabtree. Um, so if he's the number two receiver in that offense, I think that that's a very attractive role, especially since they're probably going to be playing a lot of high scoring games. I don't think that defense is going to be very good. And if luck comes back, they could be, they could be very uh, productive offensively. So, um, but the guy that I like the most in that offense, if you're going to be betting on Andrew Luck and sort of a Colts offensive resurgence is Naheem Hines. Like to me, I said on the podcast with that, uh, the breakfast table podcast that I do with Scott before the draft, that Hines is going to be the guy that we are going to be super buzzy about. Who's going to just climb up the draft boards as like August goes uh, and the preseason games come off the board. And, and we're, we're still prior to that point because camp hasn't opened yet, but you're going to want the, – the sooner you draft, the, the better you're going to be in position to get Hines for uh, a price that I think is going to end up being very attractive. I think he's at least going to be like Cohen last year. All right. Well, Hines is – I mean the, the word on him – I mean he's a smaller guy. word on him is a pass catcher, right? You think more? Well, he was a, he was a receiver. Oh, look at the guy's highlight. He's literally like the fastest guy. He's the fastest running back in football. Like they're, this guy is playing at a warp speed. When you see his highlights, it looks like the other guys are just standing still. <laughs> it's incredible. Seriously, go to YouTube right now and just look up Naheem Hines, like the one video that's like two and a half minutes. There's another one that's five minutes. I haven't seen that one. But, um, uh, but the thing about him is – he is short. He's not small. He's 5'8", 198. Okay. His BMI is actually higher than uh, Marlon Max. All right. And Marlon Max, uh, he's a big maybe. So. And, and Marlon Max is like 5'11", two, uh, 2'16", or something, to whatever. But but he, he has no special quality. Hines is like a very, very explosive player. 
All right, folks, listeners to our podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. So um, you mentioned the Breakfast Table podcast that people can check out with you and Scott Pianowski. What else are you working on? Um, well, I'm going to be doing uh, articles for, for Yahoo. I just did one where I looked at what kind of um, – decline in points we should expect at the various positions at the various slots per position in in uh the yahoo half point ppr scoring so in other words the last six years what's the average rb1 rb5 rb15 and 20 versus rb uh tight end five tight end 10 tight end one so when you're going through your draft there's two things we want to do we want to maximize points and we also want to maximize you know the positional value you know, so a lot of times you have to decide um, what your priority is going to be at a position. And I think the, the mistake that most people make is they devalue the tight end one where that the tight end one the last six years has averaged the wide receiver uh, 10. OK. Yeah. And, and we're usually letting way more than 10 wide receivers go off the board before we take that tight end one. And this year you kind of have three tight end ones because there's three guys who I think are decent bets to finish in in that in that tier. And it's not kind of like I think they'll be tightly grouped if they all stay healthy. Kelsey Gronkowski and Ertz. OK, so. Those are three opportunities. Like if you get the last one of those guys, there's probably going to be 18, 19 receivers off the board. That's a huge value. You're drafting downhill if you do that. Yeah. And even tight end five equals wide receiver 25. And and I've been in very few drafts where the tight end five goes before the 26 wide receiver. Right. And I, and I think you mentioned the three and, and Ertz goes, let's say, 10 picks after the other two. But uh, I, I keep looking at Ingram and saying the numbers are – I mean, you know, he – He's fourth, so it's a it, he's he's going to cost you. But the, I think there's the, the numbers are going to be really strong. Here's there. a here's the thing that nobody talks about with Ingram. Uh, I, I use the Pro Football Reference database. Ingram had the best PPR season for a uh, rookie season for a tight end since 1988. Wow! And if you could guess who that player was, 1988. I, I will give you. Rookie. I will. I, I will give you a dollar. Rookie tight end, 1988. So now I'm starting to think 49ers. Um, nah, I'm not. It'll, it'll take too long. Who is it? Keith Jackson. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That's right. He was good. He was. Yep. Right away, too. All right. Nice. Thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it, as always. Hey, my pleasure, man. This was fun. All right, everybody, uh, if you like the podcast, as always, please leave us a review and a rating if you can. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. We've got four more shows coming next week. Next week, The first two are going to be hosted by Derek Van Riper. I'm going on a little vacation, but I'll be back Thursday and Friday. Uh, so please check back then. For Michael Salfino, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.